Hello, everyone. Um, I'm Kristen Marston. I'm the Culture and Entertainment Advocacy Director at Color of Change. And uh, welcome to another episode of Color of Change's award-winning Tell Black Stories podcast. Tell Black Stories was created as an extension of Color of Change Ho Change's Hollywood work, uh, where we work to change the rules within Hollywood by ensuring accurate and authentic uh, uh, and uh, diverse and empathetic and human portrayals of Black people in TV and film and in music. Uh, so today uh, we are back with the incredible activists and creatives behind Judas and the Black Messiah, uh, which is an American biographical drama film about the portrayal of Fred Hampton, chairman of the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party in the late 1960s in Chicago. Uh, ladies, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, so I'm really, really excited. Thank you. I'm, I'm so excited to have you all with me today. Um, we, we are joined by three very powerful women. Um, and we have uh, with us today, Dominique Fishback, who is um, an actress, uh, plays Deborah Johnson in Judas and the Black Messiah. We have Mother Akua, who is an activist, mother of Fred Hampton Jr. And we have Frederica Newton, activist and widow, widow of Black Panther founder, Huey Newton. Um, so a powerful lineup today. And so um, I actually, I, there's no way I could do the intros justice. So I actually wanna um, have each of you say a little bit about your backgrounds and you know, just quickly introduce yourselves before we, we jump in. And, and Dominique, let's, let's start with you. Okay, so I'm a Brooklyn born uh, poet and, and actress. Um, I started acting when I was 15 in a theater company that in order to act, you had to write your own stuff. So I started acting and writing at the same time, which I feel um, is what I bring to the roles that I do. It's never like, oh, just an actor. I always kind of, that's why I meet with the director beforehand. Like, if you're telling me, I'm going to give you feedback. I'm going to really try to build the, the world of the character and make sure I'm representing the women that I play to the best of my ability. Beautiful. Um, I'm excited to talk to you today. I was listening to some of your interviews over the weekend and I was like, she seems so fun. Um, so good to meet you. Um, and, and we'll toss it over to you, um, Mother Akua. I would love to have you introduce yourself. Uh, Akua and Jerry. I was born November 28, 1950. And um, I was a member of the Illinois chapter Black Panther Party. I worked under the, on the finance committee under the leadership of Lieutenant Barbara, Barbara Sankey. I'm the widow of Chairman Fred Hampton and the mother of Chairman Fred Hampton Jr., who is the uh, chair of the Black Panther Party Cubs. And I am, last but not least, I am a revolutionary. Beautiful. I'm so glad to have you. Um, thank you so much. And we will toss it to you, um, Frederica Newton. Hi, thank you. Good morning. Yeah, I'm Frederica Newton. I'm born and raised in Oakland, California, the birthplace of the Black Panther Party. And um, I'm the widow of, I was formerly married to Dr. Huey P. Newton, who was the leader of the organization that I was a member of as a young 18, 19 year old young woman. I um, worked in the party, in the Black Panther Party school and uh, clinic and on the newspapers. And I presently am 
president of the Dr. Huey P. Newton Foundation, in which we strive to promote and promulgate the history of the Black Panther Party. Thank you. Thank you so much. Very well done, sisters. <laughs> Very well done. Um, so thankful to have you today. And you know, one of the powerful parts of having this conversation uh, is, you know, the story of the Black Power movement is often portrayed as mostly men. Uh, and uh, but we know women were always there um, and all, have always been an integral part of the racial justice movement. Um, so would love to just hear from you all. This is a question for everyone. Um, what is the most important thing you wish people knew about the role of women in the movement? And um, how do you think that mirrors what we are seeing today? You gotta tell us who you asking. <laughs> let's, let's, let's start with you, Mother Akua. Well, the role of women. Let me say this, the Black Panther Party was the only organization, the first organization at that time take on what was known as male chauvinism. Uh, and running of everything by men, predominantly white men, because black men had no power, uh, really. And the Black Panther Party was about making power to the people of uh, a reality. Uh, women functioned on all levels of the party. I did an interview the other day, and uh, they were kind of asking me to say it was more women in the party, but in the Illinois chapter, it was more men in the party. You know, in some of the other places, there were more brothers in the party. But they also, like I intro before, I worked under the leadership of Lieutenant Barbara Sankey, who's head of Chicago branch, the finance committee. They had uh, people in other positions on the central uh, staff of the Illinois chapter, and also the Chicago branch, and also on the um, central committee of the party itself. Uh, there were women uh, in different positions. Um, it, of course, men can't have babies. So women had the babies. But so far as selling the newspapers, uh, going out and working in the community, we all did that. Uh, pregnant, uh, uh, men, women, and even some people that weren't in the party, we would enlist them to help us sell the papers if we had flyers that needed to be passed out. And I said, I always say that the party was the highest point of my life and um, a great experience. I learned so much that was applicable then and is applicable now. And I'm very honored to be on the, um, on the advisory committee of the Black Panther Party Cubs to be able to continue this work, certainly not with the energy and the level of 24-7 working that uh, we got hooked on in the party. Uh, Chairman Fred would uh, say, Senior would say, I'm how the people, because the more you work, the work you did, the more you see needed to be done, and the more you got done individually and collectively. So it was a beautiful, beautiful, uh, beautiful time you to and a great history lesson. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, Frederica, do you have anything you want to add? I think I'd like to echo what Sister Kua said, that women were in the leadership. Um, women were in all kinds of roles in the Black Panther Party, and we challenged the um, 
we challenged the roles of women being subservient. So, and you had brothers that came in from all walks of life. So it wasn't always easy, but it was something that was definitely addressed. And when I came into the party, we had uh, Erica Huggins came out of prison shortly thereafter and was in leadership. Elaine Brown, Phyllis Jackson um, managed the uh, central headquarters there in Oakland, California. So I had the opportunity, um, Joan Kelly, you know, all these strong sisters that I had the opportunity to work under and work side by side with. I remember um, hearing, I was just listening to one of the old um, tapes of Chairman Fred when he talked about we, everybody was, was trained to be a leader in the Black Panther Party that, um, so that if, if everybody was wiped out and you were the only one left that you could be a leader in the Black Panther Party. And I saw that so, I, it, it was it was it was just so strongly represented that women there was no distinction between the roles of women and men in the party there was a distinction in how the public saw it but in terms of how we operated within the party um women had heavy lifting because like sister Kua said that we also had children so there was a lot you know, women were um, kind of had a double burden in having to care for their children or be separated from their children because of the work that we did. When I worked in the school, initially the school, which became the Oakland Community School, was the Samuel Napier Intercommunal Youth Institute was the name of the school and party members, children. So women had to make a really big sacrifice for the movement and for, you know, for the work that we did. So, you know, these are the stories that I'm so grateful that films like Judas are showing that women did the heavy lifting in the party and paid a huge sacrifice as well. This is, um, this is so beautiful to hear. Um, these stories are um, so foundational to this work and, um, Dominique would love to know, you know, if you have anything to add here, you know, and also just, you know, well, what I would like to know, um, you know, is like, what was, what was the most important part um, of portraying this role to you and, and what research did you have to do um, in order to, to dive in and play this character? Um, yeah, so I didn't really, growing up in East New York, I didn't really learn much about the Black Panther Party. Uh, it wasn't until I got to college and I was in the Black Student Union at Pace University. A lot of times I was the only Black person in my classes, but in the BSU, we first heard about Chairman Fred. And so before taking on this role, I knew that he was assassinated at 21. I knew that Mama Okua was there and, and she was pregnant as she showed his body. And I knew he was betrayed by somebody who uh, was an informant for the FBI. But I didn't really know all of the things. I didn't know about the Rainbow Coalition. I didn't know all of the things that I heard of the, the free breakfast program and how it affected our schools and why we were getting free food um, in the school system, but I didn't know uh, very much. Um, but I also think that it's um, alignment and Shaka King, our, our director and our co-writer uh, co actually talked about this. He said he kind of intuitively picked the four of us, Daniel, Lakeith, myself and Jesse Plemons for the roles. He didn't know what we had known. He didn't really know what was going on. But at that time, I was, I was saying, if, that, if Hollywood's not going to cast me in a romance, then I'm going to write my own. 
So I was trying to write my own like Romeo and Juliet meets the Black Panther Party thing. And I was reading a book called The Taste of Power by Elaine Brown. And I was, um, and then I get this email that Shaka King wants me to play Mama Kua. And I, I had to reread the email. I said, wait, is he giving it to me or do I have to audition? And I, I met with him in a, in a cafe in Brooklyn. And he says, uh, yeah, it's for you. I'm like, do you have to ask somebody though? Like, do you have to talk to like the pup, like the producers and the, the studios? He was like, no, if you know, if you want it, it's yours. I asked him if the family was involved. And he said, we're trying to put the, the best team together so that they know that we're serious before we go to them. So we're, we've been working on it. We've been talking and Ryan kulu has been talking to Chen Fred, like things like that. And I was like, well, I don't know if I could do it if the family's not involved. He was like, well, just read the script. Let me, you know, let me know your thoughts. And I read the script and I told him two things that I, I mentioned to Mama Kula before, but one of them was like, the Panthers were very poetic and we don't hear a poem. I think we miss an opportunity. And he says, I think you're right. Do you want to take a shot at that poem? So the poem that I get to share in the movie is one that I got to write, although Mama Kula didn't continue her, her poetry career <laughs> after meeting Chairman Fred, but that was kind of how we, we deviated a bit. And then the other thing was, you know, I know it's not a romance, but I, I, I know that a lot of times for Black women in this, in this medium, um, we are only chosen after we stand by a man, you know, through jail or we get pregnant. I just didn't want to perpetuate that story. And not that anybody intended to do it, but things are moving too, so fast. They have a, a POV that they want, but I have to be the sole advocate for this character, for this love story. So I want to make sure that we know that he loves her for her mind and her intellect and not just physical. So that was something that I was really pushing with Shaka. I would write him like three page papers and like, you know, and he would always make time to, to hear me and, and speak to me. And then uh, I asked him if I could have a journal that she carries around. Cause I wanted to make sure that, you know, as actors, we were not, we are not in control over how many scenes you get, what the edits look like, but you know, how I take up space as the character would be important. I have the journal with me all the time. I have it right here. But it was like, you know, through the corner of your eyes, the audience member, if you see her constantly writing, then you know she has a world inside of her that she has opinions about things, even if we don't hear them yet. Um, and that, that, was also, that was also important. So journaling, making little poems and watching Daniel really. Um, and I remember we went to Chicago to, to meet with the family and we spoke for, for over seven hours around the table. Jim and Fred Jr. said, I want to know why every single one of you want to do this movie. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm like shaking. <laughs> and uh, Mama Akua said something. She said, you know, the Panthers were very disciplined. They didn't speak out of turn. And there was some things in the script that my character says that she would have never said to Chairman Fred. And I'm looking at it like, oh, but it's so little. She's not even cursing or nothing. Like I'm thinking in my head, but then I, I realized, okay, if Mama Kula feels like that, how can I, uh, how can I uh, look at the, the lines differently? Whatever she's feeling that gave her that feel, how can I make sure that that's not perpetuated? And then it was like, oh, Chairman Fred allowed people to trust in him. And like when you have that kind of trust in people, you don't have to be defensive. And Daniel, in turn, kind of gave me that same thing. So I felt like I learned how to trust Black men in a different way. I trust myself. I feel like I became like a woman doing this part. So thank you ladies for everything. Thank you. Thank you. That was that was actually really beautiful. Um, I didn't- I went on and on, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that was, that was- um, Oh, good. 
it was really beautiful to hear and it, it and your intentionality really came through um in the portrayal of the character i actually watched um the film multiple times and <laughs> rewatched again yesterday and um thank you for sharing about the poetry scene i mean that's so beautiful and you know that's part of the work that you know i do in writers rooms uh at, at color of change is just helping them tweak those small moments um, that really um, help convey the heart of an issue and the heart of a character. And so I just love the intentionality um, and the conversations you had um, to really make it feel realistic and, and um, really do the story justice. Um, so, so thank you all um, for answering that question. Um, I, I also, you know, you know, given, you know, the climate, I'm sure you've had a lot of these questions, but, you know, really interested in, you know, the work that you know you've done, and then you know Dominique, you know, given everything that's been happening with the uprisings, um, what you consider the most important fights for Black people today, and um, you know what has changed and and what hasn't changed, and um, would love to hear your perspective. And and Frederica would love to start with you. Sorry there. Um... Yeah, you know, when you review the 10-point platform of the Black Panther Party, where we ask for land, bread, housing, clothing, education, justice, and peace, that we get represented by a jury of our own peers, you know, um, and on and on in the 68 survival programs that the Black Panther Party had, you know, you see that there's not a whole lot that, that what was needed then is needed now. And I think I'm encouraged by a lot of the leadership that we have with, um, Black women, Alex, um, Barbara Lee, AOL, you know, and others that are, Stacey Abrams that are in there doing the good fight. So at times when I get discouraged, I can be encouraged by seeing, you know, what's being done now. And to see that the Black Panther Party is being elevated through films, through Judas and um, um, participant media who is, has a, um, mission to, to make public the, um, the, the work of, of, you know, films like Judas that they want to amplify this message. And to, um, so that gives me hope but to, to see that, you know, these things that we called for in 1966. And again, when the, the 10 point platform was revised in 1972 have not changed and that, um, these things are just as relevant as they were as they were then, and that there are people out there doing the good fight today. Absolutely, um, would love to hear your thoughts, Mary. Well, let me say this, and I don't know who authored this uh, quote: "Often imitated, but never duplicated." The Black Panther Party has stood out. This is fifty some years later. And they're still at the legacy and they're still trying to imitate it, but it's not happening. One of the things that uh, has been, every time a new group comes out, their label is just like the Black Panther Party. There is no just like the Black Panther Party. You know what I'm saying? It's a political organization. People have sought to sort out uh, the breakfast program from the politics of the Black Panther Party, the medical center from the politics of the Black Panther Party and understanding the relationship of the people with the state. And all these organizations don't do that. Many of them are put in place by the state. 
or they people that support the Republicans, the Democrats, the state, any and everybody. So we have to be clear. It's, it's so many efforts to give the legacy of the Black Panther Party to just any old Joe Blow to come along. Then it'll be another Joe Blow next week or next month, a new group that comes. But they're not carrying on the work of the Black Panther Party. And is uh, a lot has been said by people like uh, Sister Frederica said about how the Black Panther Party, about the role of women was reduced and, you know, all of this kind of stuff. There were different struggles. But one thing that uh, that I got to say about the Black Panther Party, they made that struggle front and center to take on male chauvinism. Remember, we we uh, debated, we, you know, sought some unity of thought on it. So. I'm saying at this time in this juncture that the Black Panther Party Cubs are carrying the legacy of the Black fighting for it, not making it something else that it wasn't. You know what I'm saying? Fighting to maintain the integrity of that organization and the leadership uh, that it had. It was a central committee. It was uh, local committees. And it was all kind of activities that won the people to a consolidated, unified thought in recognizing your role in relationship to the state and the state's relationship to you. That being the deciding factor in how, what we, we did in Black. Back in the 60s, you couldn't even be a security guard. They called you a renegade. You know what I'm saying? And recognize the police as the occupying army that existed in our communities. There have even been police organizations that people have said are carrying on the work of the uh, Black Panther Party. That's an impossibility. You understand? Because the police agencies, whether it's the Army, Navy, Marines, whatever, they are agents of the state to maintain the status quo. Like we would teach the children in the breakfast program that we serve and protect on the side of the police car. Ain't got nothing to do with serving and protecting the interests of the people serving and protecting the interests of the state against the interests of the people. Our interests are not the same. We're fighting for self-determination like we were then as we are now. So I think that's very important to understand that. There are people that demonstrated, like the Panthers demonstrated, but that don't make them Black Panthers. And that don't make them like Black Panthers. That don't make them taking on the um, the reins, taking the reins, the carrying the torch, whatever you want to say, the Black Panther Party. The Cubs are facing charges. They get arrested wherever they are, and they're always uh, in on the ground fighting for what the people want, not in the interests of the state. And I think we have to acknowledge that. It's a lot of uh, kumbaya. We all together. We don't all want the same thing. That's the reality of it. Some of us want to be the only Negroes sitting under the table catching the crumbs. And when we got, we got to be honest with that. You know what I'm saying? You might not want to put it as bluntly, but that's the reality. A lot of people like being the only one or the first, you know what I'm saying? To do this in terms of Black people. But that's not the Black Panther Party. Power to the people. That was a fight for self-determination to make that a reality. Power in the hands of the people. We had the power. We have to uh, um, demonstrate and, and come together. And we all don't agree with the same thing. Did I answer your question? You answered my question and so much more. Um, 
what both of you just touched me so deeply with your responses and it's so relevant in what has been lost in some of the conversation today around policing and um, you know, even like the, the current conversations about defunding the police and what that means for us um, and, you know, what safety really means um, and, and the realizations that some people are just now having that um, police weren't um, built for everyone. Um, and so a lot of that education is obviously still lost and um, still not happening in the country. And, and um, anyway, what you said was just so powerful. So thank you both. Um, Dominique, I would, I would also be curious, I would love to hear um, from, from all of you on this, but uh, Dominique, interested in um, having you touch on the importance of this film, um, both as a historical record um, and, and specifically, you know, in this moment in history. Yeah, I feel my cast and I talked about this a lot. We wanted to make sure that whenever we were talking to people about the movie that they knew that it was a tool. You know, it wasn't, you watch this movie and you know all things about the Black Panther Party because it's cinema and things have to change for that purpose. But as long as it, we, we, we prayed and we wanted it to be like something that sparks, you know, the mind of somebody, the, the same way I was in the, the BSU when I heard it or I watched the Black Power mixtape and I was like, what's that? I didn't know Stokely Carmichael, I didn't know anybody. And so it really just, even that spark, I couldn't pretend to say I knew everything, but I would start Googling start searching, we have so much access to information right now. It's kind of hard because it's like, what is true and what's not? Uh, and trying to decipher between those things. But look at the amazing women that we, we still have with us as resources. So um, when I think about Judas and the, the Black Messiah, I just think, I think about the power of art. I remember in uh, 2020 when the marches started kicking up, I was feeling really hopeless because you know, I had written my Wonder Woman show, Subverted, about the destruction of Black identity in America. And I had been trying to get it out there. And then I did The Hate You Give. And then I did Judas and the Black Messiah. And it felt like nothing was changing, right? And, um, and then I was like, well, what am I doing? Am I just doing art? Like, what does that even mean? And it was actually Daniel Kaluuya who, uh, who spoke to me on the phone about it. And he said, you know, if we're all one, we're all, if we're all one body, then we don't expect the hands to do what the feet does. And we don't expect the heart to do what the brain does, right? Like we all have different functions and art is really important. And, um, you know, there's that quote that uh, what theater holds up a, a mirror to, to society. There, there's things like that that I had to remember, right? And also we, we know now that our, our history books are not true. They're not fact, they're, they're, they're um, promoted as fact, but they're not. And what is going to be fact, what is going to be history is, are the things that we, uh, that we are writing, that we are doing. You know what I mean? So like when I think about Subverted, my one woman show, it's about, it's, uh, it's about my experiences. I grew up in East New York, Brooklyn. I went to high school in Brownsville and I graduated valedictorian, but when I went right across the bridge to Pace University, I was considered below average in academics. How is that possible that I could leave this community as the top or one of the top and then go right across the bridge and not even be considered average? What's wrong with that? Or, yeah, there's Whole Foods and everything over here. And what are we eating over here? Right? So I started, I started being like, what, what's going on? And Mama Kua said something about the cops that reminded me of a quote that I say in, as one of my characters in the One Woman Show. He says, uh, courtesy, professionalism, and respect. Yo, can I sue the police department for false advertisement? 
right? Like, you know, and that's how I was, I was feeling. So I was in, in school, the only, a lot of times the only black person in my class, sociology class, this white boy said it's African-American males in low income communities dressed normally, they wouldn't be stopped by the police. And I was, and I'm debating with him and I'm stumbling over my words and I look around and nobody could advocate with me because nobody came from where I was from. But I said, Dom, you can't get mad at him. He doesn't know. But for an hour and 20 minutes, this predominantly white university is going to have to sit in a theater and hear about, hear subverted and hear about places like where I grew up. And so I, I really had that fire set under me to know that that theater really matters. And I'm, I'm blessed to be a part of Juice and the Black Messiah. It was, um, it was a huge responsibility for, for us as a cast and as a crew. We wanted to honor, we wanted to kind of help flip the narrative that we've been taught for so long about the Black Panther Party. And we were just fortunate to have Mama Kua and, and Chairman Fred Jr. there to keep us more aligned. <laughs> Can I say something real quick? I, I, not to cut in the uh, Freddie's stand. It's okay with you. Let me say this, Freddie. Um, hmm. I thought just lost my chain of thought. <laughs> chain of thought. Yeah. Oh, I, I got it. I want to take this second to congratulate Daniel Kalir on that magnificent speech he did yeah. at the Golden Globe. Yeah. How he acknowledged all the actors that participated in the uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. How he talked about he was changed as a man and the respect he had uh, for Mama Kua and Chairman Fred and of uh, Chairman Fred Hampton Sr. and learning so much. And I hear this from talking to many of the actors that were involved, how they learned so much in this process. And it was a battle, you know, it's a lot of struggle, but I was so impressed when Daniel and Dominique went out in K-Town, the West Side, one, two or three in the morning. It was too late for me, but and I wasn't going anywhere past my bedtime. But they went out in the community where 11 people had just got shot. You know what I'm saying? At that time of the morning. And I say, okay, they got it. You know what I'm saying? They are not afraid. You know, I know it sounds strange to y'all, but people are afraid to go around in, in the communities that need most help. It's where all the uh, attack is on in terms of police terrorism that we call police brutality back then. But I just had to commemorate Daniel Kalua on that powerful, they tried to mute him, but he came back, I did see it. Daniel was not playing. He was not having it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I wanted to say. <laughs> I think your question was the, imp the impact and the importance of the film, was it? I'm sorry. Yeah, ab absolutely. So um, the historical, uh, the importance of this this film as a historical um, piece of art, and then you know um, also its importance and the relevance of of today, and 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 looking towards the future as well. Um, I'd like to echo Sister Cool when she says there was one Black Panther Party. There was one Black Panther Party, but there were many stories. There were many stories within that organization. Yes. And I, and, and I'd like to celebrate that that's 
I'd like to celebrate that in this film. There were stories of love. The Black Panther Party was built on the foundation of love, love for the community, love for the people, love and service, serve the people, body and soul. All of that is about pure tea love. You had young men and women who were willing to lay down their lives for the love of their people. And that was what was shown in this film and it has not been shown before. There's been films have capitalized on the demise of the leadership or the demise of Huey or um, talk about that the Black Panther Party was dissolved. The Black Panther Party was destroyed. The, the United States government leveled out an all and all an out war against the Black Panther Party. And that has not been shown and it was and it was depicted so beautifully in this film. When I saw that film before I even saw the end, I picked up the phone and I called the sister on the other end of the phone crying because I was so moved. I was moved on so many levels. I was moved that the truth was shown. I was moved at the tenderness. I was moved that a woman in the party was depicted as a poet. The first person that I saw in the poet as a poet, a woman, that that expressed herself um, poetically was Erica Huggins. And it, it, she was allowed to be, not allowed, but she she expressed that that tender piece of her where it wasn't always allowed. You know, it wasn't, we didn't even have the um, the the luxury to do that because we were five, you know, we were working 24-7. So to show that tender piece, that vulnerable piece in a woman who was willing to lay down her life besides her man. So, you know, I don't know, I was moved on a lot of levels. So I think um, personally it, because I, I, I'm not a loud voice, it, it gave me the, um, personally it validated who I am. You know, that there were many, many personalities and many, many different kinds of people that came for the same goal. And um, so I was moved because it not only showed the, the role of women in the party, it showed this tender aspect of people who were in the party and, and the heart of, the heart of uh, sacrifice and love for the people. So I, I don't know if that answered your question, but I just had to express how moved I was by this film and um, the, the tenderness of the love story and the strength of women in that, in that film really move me. Thank you, Freddie. Thank, Thank you. you. I think I have to make sure I tell Dominique Thorne, who plays Judy Harmon, my, like she was my role dog. We would stay up in a hotel at night and be like, you think Shaka thinking about this? We should just go. You know, like it's just us two, like these little like mousy girls just running around just being like, well, we have to make sure that they, they hear us and call in Shaka and um, Shaka's like, yeah, uh, whatever, whatever. Okay, and if you still think of something else, call me back. You know, and it was just like I have to make sure that she knows because we really, we really cared. I'm so I'm so thankful, thankful to hear that. Now, uh, Kristen, now I'm put everybody business in the street right now. Look at these three women, myself included, involved in this project, and we all trying to hide tears. You know what I'm saying? I see you, Freddie. I see you, Dominique. I see you, Akua. This is such a powerful, powerful thing. You know what I'm saying? Experience. And it's really uh, opened up the discussion about things we didn't even talk about. 
And it encourages people to go and find out some more because it's been on the big screen, you know? Who was Doc Satchel? Who was, people asked who was Minister Huey P. Newton? All the slander that was sent against the party. People really uh, opening up to find out the truth and be more, what you call it, discerning or, you know, about the information they take in. It is like, that don't sound right. You know what I'm saying? And they are going further to. So it's, it's, it's a powerful time. It's a beautiful time. And especially with our ability to access information, we have to always remember to be critical of all. Malcolm X talked about it. You go to a demonstration, you look at the TV, it's all the way different thing than what was happening when you were there. So people have to, again, be critical because there's tons of information out there. And I was so glad we were able to fight for a positive, everything you said, Fred. You know what I'm saying? A positive depiction because it's it's been a constant attack on the legacy of the Black Panther Party. Constant. So I'm going to shut up. But I had had to say that, but I'm informing you, we all uh, are close to tears now. We're trying to hold it back from this, uh, you seeing it, because <laughs> you're the interviewer. <laughs> I'm, I'm close to tears, and, and this is my first time talking to you all. So this is this is a conversation I will I will never forget. Um, so I'm so thankful for, for everything that you've shared today. This is really powerful. Um, you know, I, I actually, I actually don't want you to stop talking. I, I want to hear more, and I, I would love to just ask you how it feels, you know, to see this historical moment that you were such a large part of um, played out on the screen. You talking to me? I am. It's. It was. It was. I don't know what to say. <laughs> it was fabulous. It was. Not just to see it on the screen, but to know the work that went in to make it happen with everybody. We didn't just meet with the actors and the people involved at one time when they went over in K-Town at 1, 2, 3 in the morning. It was constant meetings, constant conversation going back and forth, you know, about whose picture was going to be in the back on a certain scene, in the wall, in the uh, in the um, Panther office, you know what I'm saying? Uh, who's smoking cigarettes, who ain't, how people dressed, you know what I'm saying? It, all of that was, you know, back and forth in battles, but I'm just really, the right people was uh, played the roles, I think, that needed to play. They had the right combination of people, you know, making this happen. It came together, because this was not our first uh, invite to do the story of Chairman Fred. And I've been on some things that um, supposedly were to show the uh, the truth about the Black Panther Party, but in, ended up being an attack piece. I went to Freddie one time, met her at her house, and apologized for being in some bullshit. But they attacked Minister Huey. I didn't, but the way they navigated it, I felt so bad because it came to me with a different line as to what this was about. I said what I had to say. I was, I'm always honor and respect for Minister Huey P. Newton. We always care his name. You know what I'm saying? And his contribution. I don't care whatever else you say. Everybody didn't go toe to toe with this government at the time when it wasn't popular. So we got to get credit what credit is due. I went to see Freddie and told him back then, I said, I really apologize for being in that boy. But I didn't know it was going to come out. So this movie, 
everything isn't gospel truth, but it gives you enough of truth that you say, I got to go out and find her. And I saw a comment that somebody wrote, and uh, the Chairman Fred uh, talks about it a lot of times. He said, uh, Luther Van Gross songs, the people listen to that, people, a lot of babies was made listening to that music. And, you know, Teddy Pendergrass and that sort of thing. These are romantic, romantic things that people added on, as Marvin Gaye say. A lot of babies were produced. But a lot of people want you to pay for the hotel and, uh, <laughs> you know, buy the champagne and do everything else. You know what I'm saying? But this is something that people can take home with them, discuss, and find out more information. Don't just leave it here. But find out more information and be critical, do a critical analysis of the information that you get. Because that's still, this movie don't stop false information. You know what I'm saying? Nothing will. Me talking about it. Freddie's talking about it. Dominique won't stop false information. That's going to happen. But it'll give people, to be, give people opportunity to be better equipped to make uh, meaningful decisions about what kind of work they're going to do and who they are in relationship to the state. Did I answer your question? <laughs> Absolutely. And then some. Um, these are great. And so we have a couple more minutes, but I want to ask, you know, just two quick questions, um, if I can. Um, and just, you know, Sister Frederica, I, I, I have... I. I, I want to ask. So you were pro you were um, providing um, more than sixty community survival programs that the pa the Panthers founded uh, from the George Jackson Free Medical Clinic, the Free Breakfast Program that you all have mentioned. Um, would really just love to hear you know a quick um, thought on you know with the situation in this country between COVID and and the crisis um, that it sparked. What do you think we can learn from the the Panthers community programs now? Well, I want to correct that I wasn't, that I was a part of an organization that, that served the people through over 60 survival programs, as we call them. And I was blessed and grateful to be able to work in a couple of them locally in Oakland and Berkeley. But I think that what we did as young people is we basically found a need and filled it. And if there were people that, children that needed to be fed, we fed them. If there were families that needed to be ushered to be taken to prisons that were far away from home and, and it was prohibitive for them to get there, we took them there. If there were seniors that needed to be protected on their way to the banks, we took them. If there were people that needed shoes, we, we, we provided them. If there were people that hungry, we gave them food in the park. So, you know, we found a need in our communities and we filled them. That's no different than what people can do today. They can do it on whatever level that they're able to do it on. If there's, a, if they're in a part of a community where, you know, they see lack, then they can go and fill them. There, there was no mystery to what we did. It was actually very simple. It was based on love. I think Huey's quote was, what was it? I think that what motivates people is not great hate, but, but great love for people. And that's what we did. So as you saw in this film, it was based on love. And, um, and that's what people can do today. It's not, it's, and there, there are even, there's more tools that people have available to them today. We didn't have cell phones. We had, you know, we didn't, we didn't have even pagers at that time. We had a Black Panther Party newspaper that was in yes. publication 
for weekly publication for 14 years. And that's where we kept in communication through our chapters in nationally and internationally so that we know what was going on. We know what was going on in Chicago through reading yes. about it in that Black Panther Party newspaper. Yes. And this is one of the tools that we can, you know, have now that needs to be available, made available to everyone so that they too can see the work that not read about it from outside the source, but read about it from the source. Yes. There was this rich history that's available to people yes. that they can learn not only what we did right, but what we could do better, what they could do better next time. Yes. So they can use this history as a tool. There's there, the, the conditions are right for people getting involved today. It's just right. So that's what I would invite people to do on whatever level, if they can communicate, if they're, if they're too old and can't get out there, then they can contribute <laughs> money, you know, yeah. they, yes. they don't, they, so there's, there's, you know, there's just a community out there that needs help and just find where you feel like you, your talents are, are, are best suited to go out there and help. And it's all based on love, love and sacrifice. Yes. And right on the end of what uh, Sister Frederica said, I want to commend her and those that are working with her on the fight to establish the uh, Dr. Huey P. Newton Museum Cultural Center, all of that, because it's important, like what she was saying, that people have access to the real thing that the party was saying that they were doing. And you have to go through a third, fourth, fifth, sixth party to see it. You could see the words yourself. Of course, you could have your own subjective interpretation, but the information will be there. And that's what the Huey P. Newton, Dr. Huey P. Newton Foundation is doing. And I commend Freddie for, um, you know, make it, making this happen. And I got to say this behind her back. Now, Freddie says she don't like to speak in all of this. She's doing a hella job. I'm so proud of her. I'm about to cry again, but anyway, I just had to say that. So <laughs> She knows this isn't my thing. I'm just trying to keep she up. With her. You can't even tell till I just put her business in the street. You know what I'm saying? All out on front street. <laughs> thank you, sis. All I, all I know is we're so we're so lucky to have you. So you know, thank you for being here today. Um, thank you. And um, you know, before we close, um, Dominique, I just wanted to say, you know, quick question actually. Um, if there was one thing you, you wanted people to take away from your role um, and, and from this film, <laughs> that might be hard, but would, would, love, to, would love to hear um, what you want people to take away. Um, I'm, really, I'm really happy that uh, we're talking about the love um, because I felt like when I, when I left um, shooting, I knew unconditional love in a different way. I was experiencing with my cast, like, oh, oh, they that's oh, this is love unconditional because they don't need or want anything from me. They just want me to be. And um, the way I went into my life afterwards, I really tried to give that back to my family and to my and to my friends and to myself. So I was really learning how to love myself and then also being able to like soften in a way that I never was able to before. Um, that is such a gift to me now. And um, I feel a lot of women on Twitter, I used to always stay away from Twitter, like, oh, that's scary. <laughs> but there's a lot of women 
on Twitter that are like, oh, you did that. I felt that. I feel that love. I feel that love. And it's a it's a real quiet, it's a real quiet kind of love. Because a lot of times I feel like black women, we don't yell from the rooftop how much we love the people that we love. You know, uh, we've been taught to be really strong. So maybe we have it more guarded, but that doesn't make the love any smaller. And so um, I'm just I'm just happy that people are taking away that love. That was my main objective. I told Shock, I know it's not a romance, but I'm gonna be about love. Like that's very important. That's very important to me. And um, to hear that the the Panthers are always were about love, about love of the community, about love of of the of the people and of each other. Even and, and love looks different all the time. So love doesn't have to be perfect. But that's love unconditional. Where you say this person may have grown up like this, and so this was what they experienced around them. We all have different circumstances. My mom, when I was a kid, she said, "No, Dom, it's okay. You can write that poem, even if it told stuff about her, because you always wanted me to tell my truth." And so when I look at other people who can't tell their truth, I have more compassion. You know, I, I really learned compassion and 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 unconditional love from being a part of this film, and I'm just glad that that's what that's what is being received. Thank you for the question. And thank you so much, sister, mama, everybody. Like, I'm so, I'm so excited to meet you. I feel like everything is aligned. I could have never imagined this when I'm learning about the Black Panther Party and I'm, I'm researching to get to talk to you and, and hear what you have to say to like sit in, in that home that Chairman Fred grew up. I remember being like, Dominique, do you realize where you are? You know, so it's just, it's, it's, it's beyond what I could have ever imagined. So I'm really thankful, really thankful. Right on. Right on. Well, let me say real quick, Anna. Uh, it's important. You can Google, uh, see what you could do to support this, uh, save, uh, to work with the Dr. Huey P. Newton Foundation. You can Google all that. We got all that stuff now. You can uh, Google Save the Hampton House. Uh, you can Check out Free Amal Radio every Wednesday at 6 30. It's on the internet. Chairman Fred, the host, uh, co hosted by uh, Lady of Rage. And it's important that, like Dominique was saying, whatever your, uh, and, and, and Sister Freddie was saying, whatever your level of commitment, we, everybody ain't gonna be no revolutionary. And there's no shame in that game. You hear what I'm saying? But you can do something. And to go back to what she said, Chairman Fred used to say, the Black Panther Party, where you got Mr. Hugh, is motivated by love of the people, not by hate of the state. We against anybody that's against the self-determination, people having self-determination over their own Black lives. And Chairman Fred, we Fred would say, we love the people, we love the party, and it's lovely to love. Peace, if you're willing to fight for it. What a beautiful way to end this conversation in love. Um, thank you so much for those sentiments. Uh, it's so beautiful. And I, I just wanna sincerely thank you all for being here today. Um, it has truly been a pleasure. And again, a conversation that um, I will always keep with me. Um, thank you for sharing uh, with us today. And also want to thank our listeners for, for joining another episode of Tell Black Stories. Uh, definitely look up, um, you know, these lovely um, women, these powerful women, and see how you can get involved. Uh,
please uh, join us again whenever you stream your podcasts. I'm Kristen Marston, and uh, peace. Thank you. If you're willing to fight for it. Thank you. Peace, if you're willing to fight for it. Wow. Thank you. That's amazing. Um, when I think about Judas and the, the Black Messiah, I just think, I think about the power of art. I remember in uh, 2020 when the marches started kicking up, I was feeling really hopeless because, you know, I had written my Wonder Woman show, Subverted, about the destruction of Black identity in America. And I had been trying to get it out there. And then I did The Hate You Give, and then I did Judas and the Black Messiah, and it felt like nothing was changing. Right. And um, and then I was like, well, what am I doing? Am I just doing art? Like, what does that even mean? And it was actually Daniel Kaluuya who uh, who spoke to me on the phone about it. And he said, you know, if we're all one, we're all if we're all one body, then we don't expect the hands to do what the feet does. And we don't expect the heart to do what the brain does. Right. Like we all have different functions and art is really important. And, um, you know, there's that quote that uh, what theater holds up a, a mirror to, to society. There, there's things like that, that I had to remember 